Hey everyone, welcome to the Behavior Trap Podcast featuring your host, Alan Lowe. The Behavior Trap Podcast is an interview-based format show that features everyday ambitious behavior analysts that are currently working towards getting their certificate, or already have one. I believe every behavior analyst is making a difference, and well, I want to hear how they got there, what school was like, what they would do differently, and finally, what they're doing now. Hey, Laura, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is Easter Sunday. Yes, happy Easter. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> you have any big plans tonight? You guys going to do anything for it in particular? Um, just to have dinner with my family. I'll probably FaceTime or Zoom with... I'm sorry, I'm going to have dinner with my husband. I'll probably FaceTime with my family later. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. What's it like in New Jersey? Uh, it's okay right now. It's pretty nice outside. Um, so we can at least go for walks, which is a plus. Yeah. And how's the whole quarantine going in New Jersey? Are you guys quarantined yet? Like, how does that work out there? Yeah, it's pretty strict. We have to now wear masks if we do have to go anywhere essential, uh, like the grocery store or somewhere like that. Um, most places are closed. We can still get takeout from restaurants. So that's nice to have that option. But um, other than that, we're not really supposed to be going out too much. Yeah, that makes sense. What's been your whole experience with this so far? Have you guys been pretty stressed out? Uh, I think it's more been just such an adjustment with work um, because, you know, we're working from home. So that's been a little bit stressful Um, and just kind of getting down a routine and everything has been pretty difficult. Yeah, So I can imagine. It's kind of crazy. I keep reading about all these BCBAs and they're getting furloughed and laid off and it's kind of sad. I know. And there's, you know, a lot of clients who aren't able to get service right now. So it's tough. It's definitely a tough time. Yeah. I think what stands out the most about all of it is like not even all patients can even do telehealth either. Like some guardians just don't have the resources to do that. Mm-hmm. So no, overall it's a, it's a interesting time to be alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what got you into behavior analysis and what's your backstory for getting into the field? All right. So I initially went to school for education, elementary ed to be specific, and psychology. Um, graduated. I, you know, worked as a paraprofessional for a year, got a teaching job. And then while I was teaching, I just had this feeling I kind of wanted to do something different. So I kind of went back and forth a bunch of times. Like at one point I was like, oh, maybe I'll become an admin. Maybe I'll become a learning consultant. But I decided to kind of wait until I really was sure about what I wanted to do. Um, So after a couple of years teaching, I realized I was definitely drawn to students who were struggling behaviorally. Um, And I didn't even know at the time that there was a field dedicated to this. So... I kind of just started winging like behavior interventions and just kind of doing what worked in the classroom, which now hindsight, I'm like, that was not best practice, of course, but (laughs) I was kind of doing the best I could at the time. Um, I took, you know, courses in mindfulness and was able to use those strategies. But then, um, you know, I started feeling like, okay, I'm still missing something. So I really started looking into what can I do with, uh, you know, people who have behavior issues. And that's when I realized, oh, there's an entire field dedicated to this. 
So as I was looking into it, I was initially having a hard time getting information on how to get started in it. Um, and I didn't really know anybody at the time in the field to kind of pick their brain. So that was a little bit difficult. But um, right around the time when I was doing all this research and considering it, we had a BCBA come into my classroom to consult. And at the end of the day, I was able to sit with her for a while and pick her brain. And uh, two weeks later, I started grad school <laughs> for ABA. So, um, yeah, so kind of just went from there. Yeah. So currently, are you an RBT? Are you a BCBA? What are you? I am a BCBA. Oh, sweet. What school did you attend? I went to FIT, Florida oh. Institute of Technology. Oh, great. Why did you end up choosing FIT out of all the schools? Well, they had, it was recommended by uh, the BCBA I was just speaking of. She's actually my boss now for my part-time job. Um, but she recommended it. And after doing some research online, I saw they had decent pass rates. So it worked out really well that it was online. I know there's sometimes a debate about whether or not uh, you know, the quality of your education is still as good if it's online, but I think it was an excellent program. So I'm really glad I made that choice. That's awesome. What was your day-to-day -day routine like? Was it nonstop studying? Were you a morning bird, a night owl? It was, my routine was pretty, uh, pretty terrible. <laughs> so I, um, I am still teaching full time and I was at the time as well. So I would, you know, go to school and teach all day. I would then provide in-home services, you know, when I was getting my supervision hours, and then I would have to come home and do my work and study. So definitely really, really busy. I usually had to spend at least one full day on weekends getting my work done. So that was tough. It was hard to kind of maintain a balance during that time. I can imagine. So when you initially started the program, what was it what were you expecting? Did you think like you would have a social life or did you know it was going to be nonstop studying? Like what were your, maybe your initial thoughts before it started? Uh, I would say it was definitely more challenging than I expected. Um, I have a master's degree, so this was a grad cert that I was getting and I kind of assumed that um, I would just be okay with maybe not having to put forth my full effort because I was so busy <laughs> and I quickly learned that was not the case. So, but it was definitely for the best because I feel like I've learned so much through, through that program and, you know, I wouldn't change it if I had to. So it was just definitely a hard adjustment at first, kind of, uh, you know, having to micromanage my life a little bit more in my schedule. Yeah, definitely. Who was your supervisor during this period of time? Uh, Christy Miller. She's um, amazing. She actually owns the company that I work for now. Um, and she was my supervisor. So we started off, you know, I was working as an ABA therapist and then became a BCBA. So it worked out kind of nice. Um, and she's just an amazing BCBA. We, like my friends who know her, we often just say she's just, she's like BCBA goals, you know, <laughs> she, uh, we all really admire her. Um, she's really, really smart. She's an awesome resource, you know, to be connected with. So. Definitely. And I think, honestly, I feel like we're always surrounded by that one BCBA that we either want to be just like or we aspire to be them. It's kind of interesting. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And it's good, though. Like you, you were surrounded by a supervisor that you felt had the qualities that you look for in a supervisor. So I think that's a 
a very valuable point, especially mm-hmm. through an online program. Yes, definitely. What was one thing you remember most about Christy? And I've heard a lot of different things whenever I ask this question. I've heard dad jokes. I've heard maybe the shirt they wear. It was a Hawaiian shirt. Like, what was that one thing you really remember most about her? Um, so when I first met her, she, like I said, came into console in my classroom. Um, and that was really my first introduction to ABA. So I just remember her explaining things like functional communication training and the way she explained things was just like, wow, you know, I want, I think I can do this now after she explained it. Um, so I think just the way she, just her whole persona when she's working with people, um, she also really taught me what it means to be an advocate for students and clients, always put in, putting them first. So I think kind of those things, you know, she really emphasized functional communication training and the importance of it. And then, you know, just being there for your students and clients. Definitely. Do you have any tips for incoming graduate students or colleagues maybe looking into getting a, into a master program? I would just definitely be ready and accept that you're going to have to make some sacrifices in your life. Um, you know, so you can make the most of your experience, but then also make time for yourself and your family. So I would say treat yourself to a really great planner (laughs) or calendar or something so that you can kind of, you know, structure your days and your week so that you can be, you know, great to yourself and your family and also dedicate your time to your schoolwork. Definitely. And this wasn't a question that I initially had planned to ask, but I wanted to bring it up. Do you have any studying tips maybe like that you, was there a certain way you studied throughout the program that you think? Yeah. So I actually just ran a study group last week. So it's kind of fresh in my mind, which is helpful. (laughs) Um, So I don't consider myself a great test taker, which as I've spoken to most people, I feel like they're in the same boat. Um, So I, and I'm also a procrastinator, I will say that, like I grew up kind of cramming for tests and exams. So I had started studying a couple months before I was scheduled to take the board exam. And I quickly realized this is not for me. I don't think I'm going to be able to remember all this. So I only studied for about three weeks. No, maybe like four or five weeks prior to my exam. Um, And my best, I don't know, as I was studying I found just taking mock exams was helpful, um, especially if they explained, you know, what you got wrong. And then during grad school itself, FIT has a really great program set up where they um, they give you quizzes every week and then you take a final that kind of looks like the board exam. So that was really, really helpful. I didn't have to do a ton of additional studying because of, you know, I had that resource. Um, so I had lots and lots of flashcards. I will say that. I still have huge rings with like hundreds of flashcards on them. So they came everywhere I went. And yeah, and it's interesting because when at my, I would say my first semester of grad school, there was times where during the lecture, I would just write down exactly what the professor, like ex- pretty much whatever's on the PowerPoint. But there was times where I would never actually go back and look at those notes so what I've been practicing this semester, the second semester, is I've been kind of nerding out this break due to the <laughs> quarantine and like I've been watching a lot of the productivity videos and I found out about this thing called like active recall and 
it's kind of been a game changer because it's kind of the stuff that you brought up. Like you want to offer a pop quiz. You want to present a question. Like you want to have these compelling questions. And rather than maybe you're just writing down whatever the PowerPoint is, maybe just write questions. Like instead of writing notes, write questions. Like, tr- like quiz yourself throughout the lecture. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea because it sounds like then you're also practicing applying it a little more. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. And you're not... Because this is how I am sometimes when I read, I guess, articles in a way. Like, I may read an article, but I'll kind of engage in, like, mindless reading. So at the Mm -hmm. end of the article, you ask me any question about it. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But maybe that's just me. (laughs) No, I think I'm the same way. And that's why it helped that that I was working as a teacher because I was able to kind of apply everything I was learning in the classroom So if we learned about a topic, I wouldn't necessarily need to go study it. I could just be like, oh, this is, um, you know, this is reinforcement or whatever the, you know, topic was. So I feel like if you can apply stuff, it definitely helps with your studying and just your knowledge overall. Definitely. And what was your biggest takeaway from school? I think the biggest thing that FIT or I felt that FIT emphasized was Of course, all of the behavior concepts are extremely important to know, but just really grasping how important this field is and the great things we can do for people who are struggling, uh, knowing that we work with a vulnerable population and it's just always important to do right by them and, you know, keep up with best practices, keeping do no harm as our first priority and just always willing to be better and, you know, do the best you can for your students or your clients. Um, I also feel like they emphasized a lot, uh, seeking advice from mentors and other BCBAs. And I think that was really important because we can't all be experts in every single area. So that was a really big takeaway. Like it's okay if you don't know everything. So definitely. And it's interesting. Like it's definitely true. I believe we can't be experts in every area, but since you've graduated, has it have you done, have you found yourself like looking into different research? I'm like, huh, I don't know much about this. Let me look it up. Or have you reached out to mentors outside of the graduate program since you've been a, a BCBA? Uh, yeah. So since I work, you know, I work part-time as a BCBA. So I am able to, I have kind of like a whole little network of BCBAs that I can ask for your company. Um, so it's great when you have a handful of people who all might specialize in different areas for when you need assistance. Um, I would say the most research I've done has been sort of things I can apply in my classroom because I work with typically um, students who might have like mood disorders or, you know, ADHD or emotional disturbances. So things like that, that's typically what I had focused, what I usually focus on if I'm trying to learn some new, you know, interventions or strategies, but I'm hoping with this quarantine, I'll be able to kind of focus on, you know, a lot of other things if possible. So now that we finally have time, a little more time. (laughs) Awesome. And I noticed, if I remember correctly, you did not have to complete a thesis, but did you have to write anything in particular to graduate? No, since it was, um, it was a graduate certificate program. So... We did not have to, uh, you know, do a thesis. We didn't have to write anything, which I am extremely grateful for because I don't know if I would have been able to handle it at the time. So 
Yeah, it was pretty straightforward, the program. Um, they really geared things just towards being successful in the field and towards the board exam. So I appreciated yeah. that. Definitely. And I know the school that I currently attend at the University of Missouri, we have a graduate certificate program. And I know that a few of the people that are within the program, because I believe it's only one year, a lot of them are married, they have kids, they also have a full-time job. Were you in a, a similar situation just like this during your graduate program? or? Um, I don't have kids, but I am married. And I you know, am, or I was, and I am still working full-time as a teacher. So it was definitely difficult kind of balancing all that. Um, I don't think I did a good job balancing it <laughs> looking back, but you know, in the moment you want to do the best you can and you're in school to learn and be able to apply it in the field. So, you know, that kind of took priority for the time that I was in school. Definitely. And if you could go back, like just within the program, not anything else, what do you think there's anything you would have done differently? Maybe. Um, not that I can really think of. I mean, I maybe would have, in terms of scheduling, I would have maybe given myself some more time just, you know, for myself or to hang with my family. Um, but in terms of the program itself, not really. I feel like it was great and there's nothing I would really do different. Yeah. And that's just a question that I was thinking of because like, I know there's not, you didn't have to do a thesis, but I was just curious if we can dive into that. Yeah, I think because I was able to apply this almost every day in my classroom, mm -hmm. I I felt like I was getting a real, like a super full experience because I was using it at school all day and then I would go to my in-home clients. So I never really felt like I was missing something. Um, I don't know how I would have gone to school and been able to juggle all of those things you know, like physically have to go somewhere. So I was grateful for this online option for sure. Awesome. And since you didn't have a thesis, was there maybe a topic of interest or if you could go back and do a thesis or was there anything that stood out to you within like the behavior principles that just stood out to you and like you would love to learn more about it? Uh, I would say I'm always, always drawn still to functional communication training and I actually just took two CEUs on that because I just feel like it's something I can't get enough of. <laughs> um, and then I think I'm also really interested in ways to help um, clients or students who display more extreme behavior. So like aggression or property destruction. Um, that's typically what occurs in our classroom. So I'm always drawn to that as well. Yeah. And following graduation, what was it like? Was it difficult? Did you have a hard time finding a job? I know you were working as a full-time teach, full-time SPED teacher. So did that have any part to do with it? Well, since I was already working and I ended up just working for the company, I didn't really have the same experience that others might. Um, it was kind of like I just went from being an ABA therapist to a BCBA within the company. Um, so that was a nice transition, which was good because it didn't really add any stress in terms of me having to look elsewhere or apply and go through the whole interview process. Um, you know, I kind of knew what I was getting with the company. So I think I had it pretty great. <laughs> Where are you working at now? 
So right now I teach full-time, like we said, in South Jersey um, in an elementary behavior program. It's grades two through five. And then I'm a BCBA part-time at my company, uh, Amazing Transformations. Awesome. Do you think you'll continue and just stay as a teacher or or in the near future, do you think there's a possibility you may move into a full-time BCBA role? Uh, That is the million-dollar question. (laughs) I was thinking about that when I was reading through your stuff. Yeah, it's it's been a hard decision. I my passion is definitely still within a school district. Um, it's a really really hard decision for me. I mean, I've been trying to make it for over two years now. <laughs> the decision, but um, I'm starting to lean towards okay, maybe I, I might need a little break from teaching, um, but I know I definitely want to stay within a school district definitely. right now at least. And let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Like, what do you think? that one thing is that's holding you back? Hmm. I don't know. You know what? I think just the relationship that I, that I have with my students and with their families, um, you know, and a lot of my kids have come so far. So it's kind of like, if I, if I let them go, what's going to happen? You know, I am worried about them. Um, and then I think it's just, you know, it would be a, a big adjustment for me. So change can always be scary. Yeah, you kind of have like that emotional attachment to like the kids you've been with. Yeah, so that's one of the hardest parts I think about it. Um, And I know there, you know, there will always be kids that that we can help and work with. But when you are in a setting like that, like a self-contained setting where you only have a small amount of kids, you just really become a little family. Um, You know, so I'm. It's it's been a really hard decision to make. So I'm not really sure what will push me to to go one way or, or to go towards being a BCBA full time, but I figure when I know, I'll know. Yeah, and so since you are a teacher, are you at a school that's K through 12, or are you guys just like what grade would you guys be? Um, our school district is K through eight, and my school it's a very large school district, and my uh, school in particular is grades two through five. Two through five, okay. Because I was curious, because I was thinking. Let's say you were at a school that was K through 12. Well, if you were a fifth grade teacher, like you've been there for almost nine years now, like you could actually see them completely grow up and graduate. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's really emotional. Yeah, I know. Even when, you know, we send them to the middle school, I constantly bother the teachers who have them to make sure that, you know, they're doing well. Um, And my husband actually teaches at our middle school, so I can always bother him if I need to. (laughs) Kids. What's one thing you wish you knew before you started where you're at now? I think that it's important to realize you're going to have to get help from other people. Uh, you know, when I first started, I felt like I was failing because I either had questions or I didn't think I was implementing something wrong. So there's a lot of thoughts like maybe I shouldn't be a BCBA. Maybe I'm not in the right field. Um, you know, and I do still have these moments. Imposter syndrome is a thing. <laughs> but now I, you know, I try to take each occurrence as a learning experience. So if I am feeling like that and I'm not feeling confident in an area or a decision that I made, you know, I'll either reach out to another BCBA or I'll do my own research. I'll take a CEU, um, something like that. So I feel like I wish I had known it's okay that you're not going to feel like you're the best person in this field. Um, 
you know, and I also wish I had been a little more mentally prepared for the levels of behavior we see. Um, I had been expecting it, but I think when you're, when you are dealing with it day in and day out, it can be super draining, you know, emotionally, it can be physically demanding and the challenge, I like the challenge of our job. That's part of the reason why I think I like this field so much, but I definitely think that, you know, sometimes work can be hard to leave at work, you know, so something I'm working on. Comparing school to being like a BCBA, like what's the supervision like in both contexts? Um, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Yeah. So like, since you do work at a school and you are a BCBA, like both require supervision, but what's, is there more of like an in vivo style supervision with like the BCBA compared to like just a general faculty supervision at the school? Like what's kind of like the difference between the two supervision styles? Well, since I'm working as a teacher, I, I kind of just have a teacher role, but being a BCBA really helps me. Um, but we have a BCBA consult who comes in uh, for the district. So he comes in like a couple times a week or once a week and, you know, kind of oversee, helps oversee the program. Um, or if I, you know, need assistance then I can ask and we can kind of, you know, come up with a plan for whatever is going wrong yeah. or not going well, I should say. And do you have any tips for those possibly looking for a job as a BCBA? I think the most important thing when you're looking is to really get to know the company prior if you can and really think about their values. Do they align with yours as a person and as a practitioner? Um, you know, are they really there for the clients or are they just kind of running a company for the business side of things? Um, think about how they treat employees and do, you know, do they offer any professional growth opportunities? I think those are all really important things to pay attention to. And I'm definitely grateful because the company I work for has given me such a wonderful, wonderful experience. So now I know if I were to ever go elsewhere, they would have to have really high standards. <laughs> definitely. And when you are applying for a job, cause right now there's a flurry of jobs out there for BCBAs and they're in the need what what tips do you have for the BCBAs coming out of school? Like, what questions should they ask their employers, you think, or future employers? Hmm. it's a good question. I would maybe, maybe if they're talking to their employees, I would ask about, like, specific, you know, ethics questions maybe or ethical concerns that they may have um, and just – kind of get a feel on, you know, like I said, how they do treat their employees. I feel like this is a great time, like during the quarantine to kind of see, you know, which companies are still there supporting their clients and their staff and which ones are kind of not putting forth that effort. Um, so maybe even just saying like, how would you handle if we were quarantined again, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, it's definitely, a, it's kind of a tricky question, especially with what we're going through currently right now in the world. Yeah, I think if you, I don't know, like I said, I had such a different experience when I graduated, so I was very lucky. Um, but I would just maybe ask to, I don't know if you can ever talk to B, you know BCBAs who work for the company just to kind of get their vibe, but I think that you know, if you have a lot of happy employees who have been there for a while and they're dedicated to the company, then I think that's always a good sign. Definitely. 
And what's your long-term plans in the field of behavior analysis? Well, I'm still trying to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right now, like I said, my passion's definitely within a school district, um, typically with the population of students that I mentioned earlier. So right now, that's where I plan on staying or I'm hoping to stay. Um, But the past few years, I've also been doing a lot of staff trainings and presentations. So the past few weeks, actually, I've kind of been wondering, like, oh, could I maybe tie this into my future career once I grow up, you know? (laughs) Um, but that would definitely have to be once I got more experience and I was more comfortable with the stuff, but yeah. So right now, um, I'm kind of just seeing where it takes me, I guess. And, you know, kind of trying to go with the ride and see how things go. Yeah. And that's, there's not a problem with that at all. So we are going to go ahead and start wrapping up. So I have two final questions for you. What? What advice do you wish you could have told yourself when you were getting into behavior analysis or school that you know now? Or is there something you wish you would have done differently? Well, in terms of doing something differently, I wish that I had started earlier in the field. (laughs) Um, But my advice would really be to make sure this field is for you before you get into a career in behavior analysis. It is definitely not for anyone, for everyone. And you need to really love it and invest yourself if you want to be successful you know, for your career and your clients. Uh, This is not your typical nine to five. So you really need to be flexible and be willing to do whatever the job requires. It's definitely a challenging field. It's a humbling experience. And you just always need to be open to constructive criticism and be willing to improve and do better. Exactly. And where can listeners find more about you and your dissemination efforts? Are there any social media platforms they can find you on or find out about what you're doing? Yeah, so I have a classroom page that I had made initially just for the, my students' families, but then it kind of took off from there. Um, so that's School with Scrap. And then um, actually last week we started developing one for my company. Uh, it's amazing underscore transformations underscore LLC. And that is currently still being worked on, but it's going to be a really good source for resources once we get it up and running. Sounds great. Well, it's been a pleasure of a time talking to you today, Laura. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the Behavior Trap Podcast. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Laura. It was quite an interesting one, as all my other podcasts are. Don't forget, you can follow the Behavior Trap Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. Also, If you're enjoying these podcasts, then give this podcast a five-star rating wherever you're listening to this. Some positive reinforcement goes a long way. Looking forward to talking to more Everyday Behavior Analysts. See ya!